Skunk it. Now we're cooking with gas. Podcast is on the way. Um, d- does it does it feel a bit more intimate this week, Danny? Because I'm in my bedroom this week. Because this this week I'm in bed with Scott Morris. <laughs> uh, frankly, I've even though we're miles apart, uh, I've never felt closer to you in my life. Yeah. Than right this now. This is like um, we're like John Lennon and Yoko. In what way? So. I mean, it being in, they did that, and that we. All uh, oh, right, okay. Did, what? What? <laughs> I thought you were going to say like, uh, in that we, you know, we forced out the other four members of this podcast <laughs> a few years you can't ago. Can't have another four members if John Lennon's one of the members. It would only be three. Yeah, it would only be. Th- well, fuck it. Right, you don't have to like deconstruct my joke. You don't have to like pull it apart. Yes, I, I know do. it didn't make sense, but it was the heat of the moment. <laughs> Sometimes you just got a yes and. <laughs> Uh, no, they were in bed and they did that interview from bed. But I can't remember what it was for now. Yeah, Probably I've never heard of it. World Peace. Yeah, most like um, they were into that, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, the old, the old World, like world Peace. peace. Yeah, I mean he was okay with beating his wives, but you know, World Peace that was that's that was where he drew the line. War, Ugh, hate war. What's war good for, eh? Yeah, but oh, don't beat your wives. Wow, it's the seventies though, isn't it? It's just what we do. Imagine, <laughs> imagine a world. Imagine a world without war and borders. You'd have so much time to beat your wives then. So much. <laughs> so much time. I don't like where this great. is going. <laughs> this is a hard one to yes to, to beat your wife. <laughs> um, I, had no, I didn't know that. I didn't know they did an in-bed protest. Like, just one day they woke up and they're like, that's it! Done! I don't want to move! <laughs> We're staying right here! <laughs> it's literally the minimum effort um, protest, isn't it? It's definitely, yeah, like that's definitely, it sounds like shite, you know what I mean? Like it sounds like, you, <laughs> yeah, we're protesting, we're, pro, we're we're in bed protesting. It's like, you just want to stay in bed, don't you? <laughs> but then he's in Tell bed, us the yeah. truth, John Lennon! <laughs> you're in bed and you're like surrounded by like journalists and stuff though, that didn't sound nice. No. I don't know. I mean, what do, what do we know though? No, we're we're not Yoko. But who who's we Yoko don't beat our who's wives. Lennon here? <laughs> well, you don't. <laughs> okay. We also don't have wives. <laughs> <laughs> I could get you one. End of the Give day, me twenty four hours, I can get you. One. <laughs> I'll get you a wife. Very beatable. Stop this! She'll, I don't like this conversation <laughs> at all. She'll claim it. She'll claim it's her fault for making you angry. Perfect. <laughs> Stop. Perfect beatable wife. I don't have a pen and paper to write down parts we should potentially edit out. So you stop this now. <laughs> of course, it's a joke. We don't advocate for beating out your, uh, your wives. We do advocate staying in bed, though. Yeah, that's a great protest. It's a great protest idea. But um, it, who's John Lennon and who's Yoko was my original question. I don't know. Who's the brains behind this operation? Ooh, who was the brains behind their operation? I don't know. I mean, you Ugh. could say John, but then it seems like Yoko, you know, she was the real puppet master. Maybe. But then who's Maybe. who's controlling the strings in this dynamic, Danny? I feel like... Uh, one of us is controlling the strings and one of us thinks they're controlling the strings yeah, that's what's happening in our dynamic that means that both of us probably think that <laughs> we're the mastermind Yeah, when in actual fact we're not the other person is 
Exactly. It's a convoluted web that we're spinning. Uh, in terms so of so much to think about. Second opinion conspiracy theories. Um, <laughs> how uh, right to the top, <laughs> all the way to the top of two people. <laughs> this pyramid of two that we've <laughs> that we've built here. One of us is a mole, and it's not me. <laughs> um, how have you been, Danny? It's like what week fucking fifteen hundred of lockdown. How uh, uh, how are you doing over there? I'm I'm fine. Hi hi hi. How are you, Scott? I'm doing okay. Yeah. Um, I feel like the, the, the prospect of us being together in the same room <coughs> is getting closer with each with each passing week, which is quite nice. Yeah. You know, it's something to look forward that is nice. to. It's um, a nice thought. Because, you know, as much fun as this has been, it's not as much fun. <laughs> it's, no. It's a lot more difficult. There's a lot more technical bullshit we got to put up with. Um, I know. I mean, I'm in your bed, a... but I can't spoon you, so what's the point? What's that, sorry? I, I'm in your bed, but I can't spoon you, so what's the point? Exactly. What is the point in this? Um, I was going to say something, and I forgot what it was. So, cabin that good. Content. Content. Oh, it's been a dream to edit. I will say that. Um, All right. I feel like it's much easier to piece together uh, <clears throat> the, the, the edit when I'm dealing with this you know technical bullshit but like it's much easier to deal with the way we're recording now because we're not sat mm. close to each other so there's no kind of audio bleed through and things like that so it's a fucking dream it takes like minutes genuinely takes like five minutes it's brilliant um that's awesome so i've been enjoying that but you know i don't want to make this the way we do things now i don't want this to be no the platform um but i'm glad that we have still been able to keep this going uh yeah it has been a a, a, a ray of light <clears throat> in an otherwise dark and gloomy situation um i agree i'm curious as to if that's how you feel about the film we're going to talk about today oh the film i do i do feel like this this uh this film caught me off guard because you suggested this film and i was like i've not thought about that film in years yeah and i just so happened to have it on dvd i know you which which surprised me because i initially looked for it on dvd and it's quite expensive to get yeah. it in the UK, it seems like. Yeah, like, to get it here, it's like, I couldn't find a DVD copy cheaper than about £15. Um, I feel like I picked it up at, like, cash converters or something many, mm. many, many years ago. It does strike me as, like, a cash converters film. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, do you want to uh, Do you want to introduce the podcast so we could get knee-deep in <clears> this, uh, this conversation river? What? What's up, people <laughs> of people? What's up, people of people? What's up, people of Peopleton? Welcome to Second Opinion Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Jones, co-hosting with me, uh, Yoko Ono himself. At least that's hot. I'd like to lead him to think. Scott Morrison. I still don't think we worked out who it's better to be, Yoko or John. Yeah. Either way, well, I feel like they strike me as quite bad yeah. people. So. I feel like we know who's at the fist's end, so we can gauge <laughs> it from there. <laughs> so at least there's that. Okay. So Tank Girl. <laughs> um, so yeah, you you came to me with this film. What what inspired you to to go into the to the the classic, the classic nineties <laughs> post-apocalyptic comic book adaption 
Tank Girl. There was nothing that really inspired me. It's kind of just a film that I've always like I've 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 heard about it and I know it has this kind of cult following. Uh but I've never really spared it much thought and then I I don't know why it came into my head recently. I think I was just trying to think of things for us to talk about mixed with like things that I wanted to see. And I was like, well maybe this could finally be like how I watched Tank Girl because I feel like this would be a good a good way to maybe digest that because I've you know I've heard it's it's quite it's quite bonkers um and um uh, but I something that caught me off guard when we started watching the movie was I always thought that Naomi Watts is Naomi Watts isn't it yes I always thought she was Tank Girl okay and it wasn't until the film started that I quickly realized oh she's just in Tank Girl she's not she's not the titular character um, well, this is quite early on for Naomi Watts. Interestingly, third build on the poster, yeah. even though she's in it much, much more than uh, 90s rap sensation Ice T. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's definitely in it. Um, we'll get we'll get to him because he's got a very particular role in this. He certainly does. Um, um, but yeah, she's. I, I always think because I watched her, and now when I see Naomi Watts, I think of her in BoJack Horseman because she plays herself in BoJack Horseman. And her her blight in that show is that she's always cursed with deep, complex characters to play. And she just wants to, like, wants to just play a simple two-dimensional role. She's like, I'm always given award-winning complex characters that I'd have to do deep dives into. And I just want to do something simple. And I was watching this film and going, well, you didn't have that problem in this film. I was going to say, yeah, it sounds like like you had that going on. And you are the (laughs) one who chose to go for deeper and more interesting roles. Um, so yeah, this is what is it? Nineteen ninety-six. I can give you that information. Hit me it with the information. Nineteen ninety-five. Nineteen ninety-five. I was so close. I would yeah, have just so lost close. our weekly quiz, our weekly Zoom <laughs> quiz with that one. You could claim vaguely it was the UK release date because back then it did take a while to get over here. You know. Yeah. Um, who is the director? This is annoying. Usually, I like to have this information and I can free flow it, but again. Because of the way we record, I can't use my phone right now, so I'm at your mercy, sir. It is Rachel Talali. Talale. Uh, it's T A L A L. Oh my god, I've got I've got mixed up with the A Ls there. I got god, lost. Jeez, oh, bless. <laughs> Too many Ls. A L A L A Y. Talale. Talale. I'd say that. That's, is. A, that's a rough one. Like, Dyslexia. oh, I want to go see the new Talale picture. <laughs> That sounds um, great. You go. Ooh, I, that sounds interesting. I think I looked into their filmography, and the only thing, and I hadn't seen this, but I think the only other thing I was familiar with was she directed a special, a Doctor Who special, right? Yeah, she one of the uh, Capaldi ones. This, yeah, according to this Wikipedia one, as soon as like um, Doctor Who was rebooted, she was apparently really invested in directing it. Uh, directing a few episodes and she got to she got to direct some of the Peter Capaldi episodes yeah now do you get a sense watching Tank Girl like could you see the person who directed this film as like oh this could be a natural springboard into Doctor Who like this is clearly a person who likes Doctor Who like is there anything Doctor Who you would say in you know Uh, I'm trying to to make the story work Danny you know what I mean I'm trying to make the narrative work I'll counter that I'll counter that with a question of my own. Ooh. When you were watching a field in England, 
did you at any point go this guy should do a doctor who episode i mean that's very true that is that is very true um i think it's more that i i can't imagine ben wheatley was campaigning to direct doctor who i feel like I they approached must have ben been wheatley a bit. because he was like the rising british star director at the time oh, I don't whereas know. if if you're saying that the that that this director was like gun ho for doing doctor who from the get-go you know i'm like is there any sprinklings perhaps throughout tank girl that would suggest this is a person who is obsessed with doctor who because i also I think it's interesting that. That think... if there is like the way tank girl is like i wouldn't i wouldn't think it would be the peter capaldi ones you know what i mean but then no. again i didn't really watch the peter capaldi one so i don't necessarily know what i'm talking about but um i'd say there's a sort of campness to it like a, a sort of a swashbuckling campness to it that i can see in like the the doctor who reboots where it's it's a bit ridiculous and like mythology is second to just like bizarre sequences and having fun with it yeah that is true that is true i guess i should um try and sell the plot to tank girl in the most concise way as i can so i'm looking forward to it our titular character of tank girl uh lives in a post-apocalyptic australia yes i believe it's supposed to be australia although it has a lot of british influence which i thought was interesting because i'm like man post-apocalyptic movies they love australia they do um you got mad max the rover uh mad max especially because i was like oh this seems like seems almost in a weird kind of similarish vein to mad max you know yeah post-apocalyptic australia the main source of everyone's want is you know water power obviously in mad max it's gas but i was like oh there's some kind of similarities here obviously this is the more kind of like well it's crazy and comic booky and Bleh. there's ice yeah. teaser kangaroo we'll get back to that <laughs> um but uh, <laughs> there's a little teaser for you so yeah you have your you have your, your your titular character tank girl hanging out in post-apocalyptic australia australia is now run or the is it the world is now run by the water and power company it doesn't seem like it would be the world does it it must just Mm. be australia because malcolm mcdowell plays the guy who's in charge of power and water and it isn't like he travels like jet sets or anything yeah so uh, presumably it's just australia um okay so yeah they, they well let's say let's say australia uh and tank girl and her sort of band of misfits they're all about like rallying against the system fighting the system water and power fuck them power and water fuck them all and then <laughs> you know there's an adventure there's hijinks i'm trying to think of like <laughs> what they can say this sort of so so tank girl and her crew are trying to live independently from the giant corporation um water and power when water and power corporation find where they are and find them stealing all the water and stuff so they kill everybody in the house in front of tank girl including her boyfriend and tank girl's all mad and they kidnap tank girl and put her to work as a slave within their sort of like um in their fa- like factory and she decides to break out with Jet, played by Naomi Watts. And they're going to go save Sam, who's the little girl that uh, Tank Girl cares for for the beginning. And 
yes, there's hijinks um, aside after that. That's the setup. That's the definitely the setup. You have missed out the sort of giant uh, kangaroo men <laughs> that are in I this movie. I often do. They're quite an important part. I forgot. Yeah, they're an important part of most movies. We don't just get around. We just don't get around talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nobody ever mentions the kangaroo scene in Shawshank Redemption. That's, a, that's actually kind of a, a pivotal it's because it's, scene. It's, it's so, like the emotional I, I crutch. I think the issue is that it's not pivotal. I think it's so overshadowed by the rest of the film that when you come around to talking yeah. about Shawshank, you forget about the kangaroo scene. The kangaroo the scene. The extended seven-minute kangaroo scene. <laughs> And it was Ice T in that one as well, which you know you you think you'd remember Ice T. Oh yeah, rapper straight out of Compton, uh, Tank Girl. Uh, oh, and Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I could tell you Andy Dufresne fought that kangaroo <laughs> and they left him be. <laughs> <laughs> um, but prison's no fairy tale kangaroo free land. So you you had seen this film. You'd seen this film when you were younger. What were your thoughts on Tank Girl as a younger man? I love as a Tank rebellious Girl as a young, young man. man. Yeah, because this this is the problem with criticizing Tank Girl is it's punk. It's so punk. Yeah, and y- your problem criticizing it is uh, it even though I was watching it going, well, that's stupid. That's weird. That's strange. That's b- bizarre. But then all of it, you're like, well, that's part of its punk charm. Like it'd be weird if you went up to a punk singer and went, your jeans are ripped, get them mended. Yeah. Like, no, that's not, that's not why we're here. So even, even the bad stuff in Tank Go is part of its charm. It's mm. like part of its rebellion. So it's, it makes it a hard film to like critically analyze, if that makes sense. Yeah, because are you trying to say that like if if you don't like aspects of it, it's like, well, that's just what it is, man. Like, well yeah it's almost like the the bad stuff is part of it like it's meant to be rough around the edges Mm. like yeah yeah that's like that's your garage rock that it takes influence wrong and stuff like you're supposed it's supposed to be like that like that's part of the charm is how rough around the edges it is do you have a would you be able to get a budget uh i'd be very curious as to how much this film costs because it feels Uh, very practical 25 million 25 million that's mm, in 1995 money is that a lot <laughs> it's not a huge doesn't amount. feel like a lot um no. but i feel like i mean it's 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 definitely yeah it's a very practical looking movie yes. but there is that element of like things do look cheap i guess yes but yeah you're right again, that that is part of its charm yeah like that is like that's part of it. It, it. It's hard to criticize any bits of it that look cheap because you're like, well, yeah, it's just just part of its charm. Yeah, as you said, yeah. Um, particularly the uh, kangaroo, the giant kangaroo. Do you want to explain what the giant kangaroos are? So, uh, <laughs> what are they called, actually called? Rippers. As, yeah, I was about to say that they're yeah. called rippers in the film, and they're apparently this is kind of unrelated to the apocalypse which is a bit strange the apocalypse was caused by a comet that just smacked into earth and apparently it doesn't rain anymore um so that's why water's short uh, and ca- the kangaroos are an attempt by the government to make super sh- soldiers which is every vague explanation yeah. for all of these sort of sci-fi films we're all just trying to make captain america in the end and we thought what about captain america but a little bit kangaroo put in there in, in a way um, everyone's trying to make their own 
super soldier. Exactly. Every one of us is trying to make uh, their own bioengineered super soldier. That's my project. It's all of our projects. Even if you're like, no, I'm just a painter, but your paintings are to contribute to getting that super soldier. That we I was need. more, I was more going for a more sort of deep philosophical approach. You oh, know, I inside see. us, we're all trying to make our own bio bioengineered super soldier. You know. And the reason, and the fact that we can't is the direct lead of like all of our unsatisfaction, our collective unsatisfaction towards life and relationships and stuff. And you know, some of us—that's what you're selling me. Some of us in our lives, we're able to, we're able to be in touch with our bioengineered super soldier, but some of us just come across as giant kangaroos. <laughs> and, and that's, that's how you separate the bioengineered yeah. super soldiers from the giant kangaroos. <laughs> yeah so the the they're, they're uh, an attempt at super soldiers uh and i, I can't remember uh, the combining kangaroo dna because you know it was tuesday and that's what they needed to do that day <laughs> i don't know why kangaroos in particular there's a bit where i'm not sure how serious they are where they're talking about the fact that the, all the kangaroo people are reincarnated uh and ice tea is reincarnated as a cop but one of them is reincarnated it was like uh, Jack, I can't remember his name now. It's Jack Cornick. He's a famous author who wrote On the Road, which is like a big oh, uh, novel. Jack Kerouac. That's it. Um, that's who I meant. But they they say it, and I was like, he, I know obviously, like I couldn't decide even within the film if it was a joke or yeah. whether that was actually supposed to be that particular author <laughs> reincarnated <laughs> as a kangaroo warrior in a post-colonial future. Uh, and Ice T's a reincarnated cop, but they take that quite seriously. So I'm like, is that true? What you guys? Have... That's a very strange artistic choice that you made there. I feel, I um, almost feel like I'm struggling to remember that aspect of things because I feel like any time the giant kangaroos were on screen, I was just sort of a, a look of bemusement and befuddlement was upon my face. <laughs> Because it's a, a it, very strange. It just was not it's what I was strange. anticipating. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, I feel like we got sidetracked. So yeah, you liked this film a lot when you were younger. Um, and so this is your first time seeing it since you were, what, like very young? Well, I was a teenager at the time. So I'd probably been about 16. And what did you think about I it when say. you were 16? I loved it. I loved how bizarre it was. I, I think I was really like looking for that that sort of stuff in a film back then. Like I was looking for stuff that was very stuff that of, was very like not of the norm. Yeah, that, that outsider your stuff. That your fucking normies aren't gonna watch. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, I wanted cult classics at the time. I wanted stuff like Rocky Horror Picture Show and stuff like this, just to like something different and outsider and felt cool and edgy to watch. Yeah. Uh, now, now, um, I kind of almost feel sorry for this film because i just feel like when you're watching it you're just like it doesn't feel i very much felt like there was an element of it that was just not what it could have been you're like this film has so much potential even as like an outsider punk movement film yeah but it feels very it felt very held back uh, and then while doing research afterwards i found that apparently it was butchered in the post right uh, okay in the edit so i was like by that, that like kind the of studio me... or by the studio um who ordered a strange outsider punk tank girl film and then where they got it we're like wait we don't want this quickly 
butcher it in the edit. And I, it made me feel more sorry for the film. I was like, oh, like this is this is what you need a Snyder cut for. Because apparently there's some weird stuff in the edit. Apparently it also made more sense in the edit, which I was watching this going, this is a strange plot. There's a lot it's... of sort of... It feels like there is a lot missing to this film. Mm. It's a strange plot, but at the same time, I don't feel like I was confused ever. Like as much as I kind of... No. When I was trying to describe the plot there... That is just because there's a lot that you sort of... To try and condense that down, which I thought you did very well, by the way. Hats off to you. Condense that down into like a sort of bite-sized version of the plot. In the moment, I was finding quite difficult. Um, But I don't feel like I was ever confused at all. There's a lot you just sort of have to get on board with. Yeah, it's more that the plot is like... It's very simplistic, but I don't even know what... Like, There definitely feels like something missing. It feels like... Um, you are it, it feels very unconnected a lot of the plot and you are there, most of it is surrounding trying to save the little girl called Sam yeah Um, but you do lose track of that especially because Tank Girl is very easily distracted for someone who really cares about saving Sam she gets terribly distracted I actually now that I think back I will actually yes I admit when I watched it on Sunday night when they were it was right before the musical number happened I turned to Katie and I was like, <clears throat> what exactly is the goal of this scene? <laughs> and she was like, what do you mean? I was like, "Like, what are they here to do? What's going on? And she was like, oh, they're here to save the little girl. They're here to save Sam. And I was like, when did that get established? And she was like, well, remember that they just said it and you saw you saw that quick shot of her like in the, she's in like a laundry place or something like that for like a split mm. second. And I was like, oh, I do remember that. Yeah, I was like, yeah, but I don't think my brain connected what was going on. So I just was like, yeah, they've escaped the, <clears throat> they've escaped the the uh, power and water company. They've escaped their headquarters, and now they're just gonna off doing something. And then it just kind of clicked with me where I was like, what are they doing right now? <laughs> but I, uh, I think that was just an element of like, you know, your brain wonders sometimes, especially with something like this that is so kind of like in your face without much like breathing room. <laughs> Um, like every shot, every every or every scene, more to the fact, has something that confuses your brain a little bit. Yeah, you know what I mean. Again, this is this is again the problem because most of that can be just put down to it's part of its charm. It's part of the sort of irreverence of it. Like if you know, oh, this plot doesn't make much sense, and you're like, well, it's not meant to, man. It's irreverent, and you're like, yeah, I I, I get that. Um, but I felt more like there were some aspects. I was like, how much of this is, hey, this is a, a punk film and we're like, uh, we're just doing our own thing and it doesn't matter because the, the plot's just an excuse to do some elaborate stuff and that's that's our style. Or how much of it was the studio took this scene out and that scene was kind of essential to understanding what's happening. Mm. So now we have to try and edit round of it as, as conveniently as possible. Yeah, that's true. It would be interesting to watch it again with that kind of context in mind i guess um mm. because i didn't know it had been butchered in that way um yeah well apparently i've got a, i've got a couple of things here because apparently um there the introduction uh to tank girl in her bedroom the bedroom was filled with dildos like filled with it just like the bedroom <laughs> is just fucking filled with dildos right. which is such a funny introduction to a character but was cut like 
Well, you know. So that, that was going to be the she... introduction to her. I think so. That's what I've read it as. Um, because instead from, they uh, go for the... She's riding through the desert on the ox, I think it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and she's given the whole narration, which I liked a lot. I feel hmm. like the opening scene happened and I was like, oh, I'm like, I'm in on this. Like, this feels like the kind of thing yeah. I'm going to enjoy. But they ditched that narration so quickly. So, they so do. quickly. They don't really come at her at all. now almost makes me think like, yeah, like maybe like, was that scene added in? Because they yeah. were like, you need to, first of all, the, the fucking dildo thing, not happening. Not on, not on MGM's <laughs> watch. And then second of all, you need to fucking tell people what's going on in this movie as quickly as possible or it's going to get confusing so much faster than it it does yeah. already. You so know you mean, mean like a like a Blade Runner thing where uh, the voiceover is added to give the film more context um, and maybe that's why it's only at the beginning because mm. like you need to establish the world and maybe maybe the director and writer and all the um, the people in charge of the film are like, well, we don't need to. It's a post-apocalyptic world. People know what post-apocalyptic worlds are. Like, there's not a lot of water. It's fine. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. Audiences will get confused. Because they're stupid. They need to have it spoon-fed to them. Uh, apparently, there was a torture sheet, this torture scene, uh, that was cut out because, quote, Tank Girl looked too ugly, which Ugh. is... Uh, Top top rate feminism right there. Yeah. Oh no, she can't have her. She doesn't look she doesn't look bangable in this scene where she's being tortured. <laughs> That's what we want. Um Yeah, so that like that there is a there's just a lot of stuff that just seems like the, apparently there were scenes like there was a whole subplot. There's someone that was called Submarine Girl or Sub Girl or something who I don't uh, even remember. Being I think I, I I think I understand the concept of that character <laughs> just from hearing the name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently she's in it briefly, but she was originally supposed to have like a a bigger role. Um, so but apparently all of her scenes were basically cut out. Uh, and a big a big scene that was cut out was. Uh, like a more explicit scene of Tank Girl having sex with one of the kangaroo people. Um, Which is obviously like largely suggested, but you don't see anything in this version. Yeah. Well, apparently... Which surprised me. A, yeah. <laughs> they made a costume specifically for that scene, a naked kangaroo costume. Right. And I know what you're thinking. It. My sources range from 10 inches to 12 inches. <laughs> Because <laughs> I know, um, there doesn't seem to be a definitive source that tells you exactly how long the kangaroo's right, penis it's, uh, was. It will be debated costume. until the end of time. <laughs> I mean, we'll never know because it never made the film. That so. secret will die uh, with uh, the director and the everyone involved. <laughs> the suit was made and the the film was shot, but apparently they didn't want it in. Um, again which seems weird because it doesn't seem like this film was never even when they bought this film like when they bought it to be produced never felt like it was going to be a mainstream film anyway yeah and it's Um, already it's already like a very fucking silly so you could easily get away with like a kangaroo sex scene you know what I mean Hmm. like but B like the film is already like really over the top sexualized anyway yeah to the point where it's like almost baffling like we when we watched it the other night that the one of the moments that stood out to us was when she starts seductively she thinks that her boyfriend is like 
approaching from behind her. And so she starts seductively <laughs> cutting holes in her tights. And we were both just watching. We were like, what's she doing? Is this meant to be sexy? Like, I'm <laughs> confused. But that, that's, um, again, that's thats part of the charm of that scene, is it? Like, the, for, like it's very very specifically kinky almost to a comical extent where you're yeah. watching it and going whose kink is this yeah well it's the because the other one that stands out to me is when she goes into the prison shower and it's not like a water shower it's like a it's like a talcum powder or something yeah and again they try to make it this like slow motion like sexy kind of thing and we're just like i'm i'm baffled by this i'm totally baffled is that, I, is that supposed to be that a joke scene... in of itself because yeah yeah, yeah. I, I get took that. it as a parody, like um, the fact because it's got that talcum powder, like like you see in Shawshank Redemption when Andy yeah. the frame gets it all thrown on him. It's like the flea stuff. I assumed that's what that joke was supposed to be because that's just the whole scene. Nothing happens in that scene mm. apart from the fact she gets that stuff poured on her, like this just powder stuff. And it's supposed to be like this is where you would expect a a more sexualized scene of like a, a girl <clears> in a shower and stuff like that but it's not it's just powder that's a, that's her. a good show actually in retrospect like i get that now and i think that was that that backs up what i was talking about earlier where it's like you're i feel like while i was watching it yeah my brain was just like trying to keep up a lot of the time because <laughs> there isn't really room for a breather and so when that was happening i think i was already in this mindset of like i'm very confused by this like this film's whole vibe and then yeah that kind of happens and i'm like what is this is this meant to be sexy i don't understand but i get that now as like that's probably that's definitely intentional in fact um that scene is that scene is followed by naomi watts's introduction where she's being like sexually harassed and like sexually assaulted like borderline sexually assaulted by one of the power and um power and water people yeah because almost every every villainous character in this film i think at one point tries to like sexually assault tank girl yeah. or naomi watts yeah um it's a lot and he's trying, he's tr- yeah he's basically trying to force her into sex um forcing himself onto her and it's stopped by tank girl coming in and forcing herself onto naomi watts yeah. instead <laughs> which i was like watching the scene and going eh, i mean you're trying but <laughs> it still might be slightly problematic the tank girl doesn't really give naomi watts an option and just goes up and just forces her into kissing her yeah but you know it's that classic uh that classic comedy we gotta get out of this situation just kiss me <laughs> um yeah something that uh i found disappointing about this film is a severe lack of you know because there's a lot of tank girl but there's a severe lack of tanks in my opinion yes uh well she has a tank she has a tank and it's a Hmm. very cool tank the tank does not get nearly as much screen time as it should have because here's the thing about tanks danny tanks are cool as fuck right it's a machine built to destroy built to destroy and maybe that's a bit overly macho thing to say tanks are cool as fuck right they're just big metal machines they just run shit over they blow stuff up i love them i love a tank i mean not in like a weird way i don't have little (laughs) models of tanks or anything (laughs) <laughs> you know i just yeah. like when there's a tank yeah. in a movie i'm like i like a tank i like when you see a tank in real life 
you know they were talking about at the start of lockdown when everyone was going crazy and didn't know what was happening and they were talking about sending the military in i was like do it i want to see a tank <laughs> roll past my flat <laughs> i'd love it <clears throat> i'd love the world <clears throat> to go to pot but um yeah severe lack of tanks in my opinion to the point where there's a scene where i think the scene where she gets the the tank initially i turned to katie and i was like oh that's that's she's called tank girl okay was like what and i was like she's called tank girl i just remembered that her name is tank girl so there's gonna be tanks in this movie yeah <laughs> because by that point it's like an um, hour in um I'm, i may there may be an element of it's been cut out more or hmm. maybe they had to scale it back because it was a small um budget and um, which is a shame although saying that the scene where she most prominently uses the tank to like uh, to like hijack that truck is a very fun scene. Yeah. She's doing the classic, she's barbecuing a sausage on the tank while she's using it. And you're like, that's a lot of fun. Uh, she's hanging on the, the she's that... hanging on the, the nozzle, like the gun. Uh, yeah. Talking to the guys. That's very fun. I don't know who's driving the tank in that moment, but that is a fun oh, she scene. Oh, she, she not got automatic stuff? Uh, um, must do. I can't remember. I feel like she's, she's messing around with that. Again, the film moves at 100 miles a fucking hour. It's hard to keep up with some stuff. <laughs> The shot that made me laugh is you're inside the truck with the driver, and then out of nowhere, just the turret of the tank is like really close yeah. to the fucking window. It just strolly drives in with Tank Girl on it, and like the fucking thing's aimed at his face. And I was like, that's a that's an objectively funny shot. Yeah. Um, no, it, it. I did like that stuff. That scene is very good. I just and I know that's a silly complaint. I just really I went into it thinking I was going to get lots of tanks. I felt like there wasn't enough yeah. tanks. In fact, I feel like a lot of the <clears throat> the movie is not very like combat oriented. I guess. No. There's a musical number. I fucking love the love musical the musical number. number. The musical so number is bizarre. great. Um, uh, that's kind of uh, that. It's the sorry. It's like the old one. It's like the one that's in like every classic film. It feels like um, the Cole Porter song. Mm. let's do it yeah let's, let's fall, fall in love and then they end uh, the film with uh they end the film with like a like a cover of it don't they yeah they do and it's quite it's a like a very rocky well. punky cover of it yeah which i quite enjoyed because <laughs> the scene starts off with like tank girl is forcing the madam of this strip club which by the way why have all these these apocalyptic films always seem to manage to, to fit a strip club in there somewhere an industry that apparently yeah, is never it, gonna die no matter what happens to the world it's <laughs> the strip industry is never gonna die the one Try thing to that shall prevail um like well yeah there's like the a madam. trifecta of like <laughs> <laughs> of strip clubs in aberdeen if you, if you walk two meters in any direction, you're probably going to accidentally walk into a strip club in Aberdeen. Yeah, you'll hit it's just the way it yeah. is. Um, I'm just trying to get to work. <laughs> <laughs> it's such hard work. Um, and now I work here and I do a pole dance. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Might as well. That's that's um, that's how I got started as a magic mic. Um, <laughs> anyway, sorry, unrelated. So they're trying to force the madam of the strip club to start singing and it's such a weirdly awkward scene to begin with they've taken a hostage just start singing and then everybody gets into it and it's a big it's a proper broadway production like it's legitimately Um, great yeah it's such a fun scene the only thing that's really bizarre about the scene is that's because they've got sam at that scene they've got the little girl sam and then they lose her because they're too busy doing the musical musical. i did love that yeah (laughs) 
power and water because they're like they've, they've done the musical number it gets interrupted by power and water coming in invading the strip club and then tank girl is like to know me what's Oh my god, where's Sam? Where's she gone? Where's she gone? Oh, she's being kidnapped by Power Auto Incorporated. Uh, hey, Tank Girl, if you hadn't done that music number, you'd still have <laughs> Sam right now. She'd have been right in front of you. But no, you were too busy giving it, like, Yaldi up on the stage. It kind of uh, it kind of reminds me of... You remember that bit in Justice League? When they wake up Superman and they have the little fight with Superman. And then while all that's happening... The, the bad guy just fucking like shoots down grabs the box thing that he needs and then shoots <laughs> off again <laughs> so... <laughs> like it totally that reminded me of that um, so should we should we talk about some of the cast yes let's go for it I guess specifically like we, we have to talk about Laurie Petty as Tank Girl um, perfect casting it is like, pretty perfect really casting good. I... yeah like a uh, the, apparently she uh, read the comic when she knew they were looking for a cast for it and she just basically pointed at the comic was like yep that's me and yeah I, I don't, I've never read the comic um, no neither but like I. she embraces this character really really fucking well oh yeah she goes full like full tank girl it seems like nothing was too kind of awkward or uncomfortable for her or anything like that she's quite happy mm. to totally embrace that role which is so much fun to watch this also seems like i don't know much about laurie petty i know her mostly from uh orange is the new black she has a kind of minor role um in orange is the new black um but i did notice when we were kind of looking at the filmography and i I will struggle to make this point right now because i don't have the information in front of me because i can't use my phone but you will Uh, it seems like this was part of a stint of kind of big films for her it seemed like she had a run of about five years where it was like a lot of big films one after another yes so she was in um point break yeah uh and a league of their own and free willy those were the big big films that she came in after that she's also in a couple i've not heard of poetic justice the glass shield in the army now i've not heard of them but I mean, Point Break, A League of Their Own, and Free Willy are free like, yeah. films that everybody's heard of. Um, and then, um, obviously, Tank Girl has been solidified as this kind of big cult film where, like, if you know it, you yeah. know it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, if you're in the know, you're in the know. But uh, she is great. I Like I said, I was so caught off guard when I realized that it wasn't Naomi Watts that was Tank Girl. Um, <laughs> but I'm so glad it, it wasn't because I feel like Laurie Petty is... And again, this coming from someone who's not read the book, but she does seem perfect for that role. Yeah. Oh, she just embraces the role. She's so much fun to watch every time she's on on the screen. Um, it's it's something about her voice. Her voice is so like interesting to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and she's so energetic. Yeah. Um, it is, and she delivers the the jokes, even the weirder jokes, like the the offbeat jokes. She delivers them so well. Um something another disappointing thing i wanted to point out about the film was <coughs> little coronavirus call for you there um Ooh, lovely malcolm mcdowell's character yes. uh who you know is fine he's he's doing the malcolm mcdowell thing he's yeah you know he's a villain not having much of a career he he ha- is kind of playing a role that uh they would give to like ben mendelson now where he's just like, yes. I'm the angry white leader of a big corporation. Like, you know, what I mean, it's just that kind of that kind of vibe. Um, 
and he's fine one of my big disappointments with it is obviously first half an hour into the film or so uh his face is something happens to his head you don't sort of see like what it is but you know you for the rest of the film they keep his head uh obscured obscured because they don't want you to see it and presumably it's because they're building up to this big reveal of like oh what does he look like now and i was so excited because obviously the film throws so much weird shit at you and i was like i can't wait to see what mental thing they've put in place of malcolm mcdowell's head i'm so excited i can't wait and then he steps out into frame and it's just malcolm mcdowell and i've never been so <laughs> let down in my life and it turns it's out you know reveal. it turns out that it's a hologram and that's fine but i was like it's still that's not what i wanted i wanted something wild yeah. i wanted like a mental robot head or like he had a kangaroo head or something like that like i needed something and instead it's just no it's just a hologram and i felt so disappointed because i was like this film has mm. thrown so much weirder stuff at me like why is this the the best thing that they you know and maybe that's the way it is in the comics i don't know obviously don't read the comics so but um i just wanted so much more so much more and i felt like i was fucking cheated yeah it's very strange because they they do make a big reveal of it and at first i thought maybe that was the joke maybe that was the idea Mm. like it was supposed to be um like inverting the trope of like the big reveal um but even then i don't think it it would be maybe funny if they did like a he's in the shadows there's dramatic music oh you're about to find out what happened to his face and then steps forward and then you just get the sort of like the anti-climax yeah. as like a, a punchline to to the joke maybe that could have been funny and you're like I, oh that's hilarious they've been building it up and it's nothing i think i would but have still been I don't disappointed if it was intentional yeah sorry i cut you off no i get you uh they, they don't lean into it anyway so like yeah so you are like um i don't know like what was what was the point of all that he's got a robotic arm but it's fine it does like it spins blades on the the sort of like forearm and i'm yeah. like okay which is why i, I was I, so I excited him there then the possibilities of what his head was going to look like yeah it's like it is very disappointing uh and he's okay in it he's uh malcolm mcdowell just he's he's an actor who deserved so much more i don't know what happened to him because he's like phenomenal in a clockwork orange but like in he doesn't do like he barely he he quite mm. often comes up in these kinds of films films yeah. that never did very well in these bit roles and these sort of meatless roles uh and you're like what 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 is your agent <laughs> maybe it might be partly because the film clockwork orange was banned for the longest time yeah maybe that's got a lot to do with it like the biggest role he the best role he had and he he didn't even especially in britain it was banned in britain uh and i know he had a stint on um star trek but i don't really watch star trek so i couldn't i couldn't tell you for sure yeah no. i just feel like that that I, guy deserved a lot more i wonder yeah i do wonder if like i feel like the 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 that the aspect the fact that it was banned here would make a lot of sense because then you know for a while he that performance is getting out to less people um yeah i wonder if there's also just an element of like you know a clockwork orange is such like his character in that is is so like i don't even know what word i would i would use to describe it but you know how it's like how do you go from like 
okay, we're going to take this guy. We're going to take the, the, the guy from A Clockwork Orange and make him our leading man for this, you know, action, drama, whatever. You know what I mean? Because he's mm. so sadistic and that film is so, like... I wouldn't... Yeah, I get where I'm coming from. He's never... I'm fucking yeah, stumbling on my word be stuff because, as we talked about in the last episode, I've only seen Clockwork Orange once. I have looked it out. I found my DVD copy. I'm going to watch it again. I'm excited. But, um... um yeah. But I get what you mean. Like, I don't... I, I suppose his career trajectory was never going to be a leading man. But even then, like, you'd think he would lean... Like, he would land into something more akin to, like john goodman or something where he got like fucking fantastic supporting roles and he yeah. was like he was never like the 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 star of a film but like he when he whenever he had bit parts in the films he'd make them so memorable like you'd think he would be like in that era or maybe maybe he's just not a good actor maybe that's yeah. the thing that we've all been caught well, that's up the thing up. i mean yeah maybe it's he like... did that he did that one good role in Clockwork Orange, and then after that, he had nothing else to give. Because but he is in a lot I don't of shit. He's so. in like Home Alone Five. Is that not <laughs> that on this covered on this very yeah. podcast? Our highest Shout rated episode for the longest time. <laughs> um, so he's fine. Uh, Ice T is like he's. I think he's good in this. He plays one of the kangaroo. That's like he's like the sort of um, cynical one, like. Tank girl goes to the Rippers to like try and get an army so that she can save Sam, the little girl. Uh, and the Rippers want to take down the corporation, but Ice T's all like, "Nah, we're going about this too fast." Or, "Nah, I'm I'm not sure about this." Yeah, he's uh, the cynic one. He plays it really well. He had it's my because it's Ice T. He had my favorite line, just because the Go way on. he delivers it, which is, um, I think someone mentioned something about crumpets and tea, and he goes, "There you go, be no crumpets and tea." <laughs> um, <laughs> <coughs> it's just caught me off guard like a lot of stuff that, yeah. in this film did and it made me chuckle um uh, he was on a, a a talk show where the talk show was ri- the talk show host was ripping him in a bit for being in this film to which he responded i was paid eight hundred thousand dollars to be in that film what and the fuck apparently, <laughs> that's such apparently a big chunk of that 25 million dollar budget <laughs> like yeah he's like yeah you can mock me for being in that film but i was paid eight hundred thousand dollars and like Fair enough, Ice T. Did you see Fair that? Uh, did you see that um, Oscar Isaac came out recently and was like, "Oh, if I if I ever need a new if I ever need a second house or something like that, then I'll return to Star Wars." <laughs> That's amazing. Seems like no one had a good time making those films. <laughs> no, um, no, yeah, because why would you? Uh, all of the, those cast members kind of got most of their time sh- cut for the last two films anyway. Yeah, so why would you bother? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was just an aside. There's that famous one as well. What was it Michael Caine said about Jaws 4 when someone asked if he'd seen it? And he was like, I saw the house that bought me. <laughs> <coughs> That's hilarious. Because yeah, because people, people rib these people for being in these films. Like apparently Naomi Watts is ashamed to have been in this film. Really? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's like what are you talking about? Like, just embrace it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Like it's especially it's dismissive of fans. I always think that's always a bit of a problem Robert Pattinson has with Twilight. He very much he's very vocal about how much he doesn't like Twilight. Yeah, that's really shitty for like people who love it. Fans. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't you don't need to be like that. Like you know that that gave you a huge break and it, it really like yeah you'd think even if without you, twilight even if you think 
yeah, even if you feel like, oh, you know, it's just a fucking stupid kids movie that I did. Like, hmm. I feel like, yeah, you would surely still... And maybe he does. Maybe it's all just like... Apparently, he, he is quite like a kind of sarcastic, kind of weird dude. So, like, hmm. maybe he does think this, but you do think you would have that thing in the back of your head of like, well, you know, it is the thing that springboarded me into stardom. Like, I yeah. might not necessarily be here if it weren't for this event. No, I mean, he he probably helped pay while he did all those indie movies, you know, yeah. he gained all that indie credit, you know, if it weren't for Twilight he probably wouldn't have been able to do that um, so it's yeah, I, I, it's always a bit disappointing even for franchises I'm not really invested in, it's always a bit disappointing when an actor comes out for a beloved franchise and goes, yeah, I didn't really like that uh, well, I don't care what Robert Pattinson thinks of Twilight, I still love it so <laughs> I still love it and I still love him I do still love him. Team Edward all the way. He's a fucking Jacob. Strange. Jacob's Jacob. a loser Blame. and a weirdo. <laughs> Edward all the way. Um, yeah. So, I guess, yeah. Like I, get, I, I mean, I don't feel like I have too much more to say in regards to um, Tiger. I don't know. Is there anything that you want to kind of bring up? Like, uh, Well... Apparently, the Rippers was designed by the guy who did the Predator. Um, They've got a Predator look to them when they're in the shadow. Yeah. Um, He was very passionate about doing it, and he's apparently very proud of them. Apparently, he's like, his sort of collection of, like, movie costumes. The Rippers have made it. Brilliant. That's probably proud. And they they wanted him to obviously design it, and uh, he wanted to come and design it. He's like, yeah, fucking hell, I'd love to come and design kangaroo soldiers. That'd be brilliant. But they couldn't afford him, so he slashed his rate so that he could come work on the film. Which is always a nice story to hear, isn't it? It's always nice when, like, one of these big artists decides to just come and do it for the love. Yeah. It's also, it kind of makes me a little bit sad because it sounds like there, it sounds like there's almost a divide on this movie in terms of the people who are involved in it, of Hmm. people who feel very passionately about it, and then... Yeah, people who kind of see it as a mistake and want it to be forgotten. Um, but then I guess maybe that is a testament to how sort of divisive I guess the film is because it's def- it's you know it is a cult film. It's liked by yeah you know, people on the fucking outside, man. You know the outsiders they love it. All the fucking dorbies they just don't get it. But like it does have that natural divide anyway. So yeah. Um, it's almost kind of apt that it it that it had that amongst the crew. <laughs> um, here's uh, a few a few little facts that verify its punk credentials. Are you ready for some punk credentials? Danny, verifying? I would love to hear what punk credentials you have to offer right now. In fact, I know you're quite a punk person, Scott. So maybe that's you not could true. Decide the these facts, <laughs> if these facts um, verify this, you just hear me talk about how I love Twilight. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, you love it in the punk way though I love High School Musical uh, very extraordinarily punk I love to cook uh, a delicious meal <laughs> so they have originally came to Steven Spielberg to help them make it but he said after reading it that he liked it but he thought he wasn't hip enough to make it to which they responded by making a bunch of t-shirts oh. calling the film oh no we're having a technical letter uh, hey Danny, we had some technical difficulties there, but we are back, baby. <laughs> yes, we are back. So, uh, Spielberg said he wasn't hip enough to to make this film. Is that punk for you? Do you think that verifies its punkness? Uh, 
that Steven Spielberg didn't think he could do it. He was he like, was I'm, too squ- enough, I'm too square for this shit. Yeah. Does that make do, does that verify punkness to you, Scott Morrison? I don't know because what would what would have what would what was Spielberg doing around that time? Jurassic Park. Well, he it? was. Yeah. 90, 90, but he was also doing. Uh, that was like around the time he was also doing like Animaniacs and stuff. So he had like was doing loads of different things. Yeah. Yeah. So it is because he wouldn't be directing. Obviously, he would just be kind of. Yeah. I think maybe he just thought it was shit and was just being polite maybe he seems like that kind of guy yeah but does that verify punkness if spielberg thinks your premise is shit does that make you punk uh, yeah i'm gonna say yeah. yeah okay so punk so far okay this one you're like. <laughs> on a scale of one to punk punk this one you're like they were originally um had intended to get this little known punk band named green day to come in and do music for him. Really? However, during the course of production, Green Day be- became too um, famous and well-known and they could no longer afford him. Were they, so they that they famous had by that eyes, point? They became famous during the production. Mm. Like, they originally were like, we're going to have Green Day, this band, nobody's heard of them, Green Day, they'll come in and do the music for us. And then Green Day blew up uh, around that time. So basically, uh, <clears throat> they, they were... They had Green Day before they were cool. Um, is that punk? That's pretty punk. Because it's funny, I, I always think of... I would never think of Green Day as a 90s band. I feel like they were such a response to like George Bush and 9-11 and stuff that I always think of them as very like early, mid-2000s. No, that's so it's like, interesting that they, they are... like had peaked that early. Or not peaked, but you know, that they were like that popular that early. So popular that fucking no, I... Tank Girl didn't want them anymore. <laughs> no, Tank Girl wanted them. They just couldn't afford them. Right, okay. So I Green, thought, Green sorry, the way so... that you... I must, not have, I must have jumped to a conclusion in my head there. I thought what you were going to say was that they became popular and then the director of Tank Girl was like, well, we don't fucking want them anymore. They're too popular. No, <laughs> we want Steven Spielberg, the most popular filmmaker yeah. of all time, but we don't want Green Day. Uh, the person who ended up having a huge influence on their music was Courtney Love. Um, oh. So that, that's in itself pretty punk. Yeah. Um, yeah, she... she... Nah, you know what? We'll, I think we, of... won't, we won't bother. I think of... There's already been um, enough uh, weird conversation around the Yoko Ono <laughs> stuff. I don't want to get into that some more. Um, I think of Green Day, Green Day as like having two phases. Like, yeah, there's all that political stuff. But like, they, I, feel, I do imagine them as like a, a proper garage band, like playing in that sort of environment and like having that sort of music. Yeah. Um, so I think of them as like 90s band. A 90s band that evolved into a 2000s band i saw them live green day back in like 2012 or maybe 11 at leeds festival they played they played dookie from cover to cover oh that's pretty good there's a fun fact about me and my life and my relation to green day I've but been, that's punk right that's pretty punk you, you seeing them in 2012 and tank girl wanting them in 1995 that's punk that's pretty fucking hardcore man so, so far, so on a scale of one to even more punk, they're even more punk. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, this is probably a punk fact you'll appreciate. Uh, little, little known artist 
Avril Lavigne has created a song and music video that is a homage to Tank Girl, Rock and Roll. That's what it's called. Not very... Not a very distinguished title. <laughs> but I don't think I've seen that video. That video is a homage to Tank Girl. That is going to be uh, an interesting watch right after this. Yeah. I can't I believe you're hitting first... me with some Avril Lavigne chat that I didn't know about. I feel very... Uh, I know. I feel very belittled. You, you or you not belittled, but I feel, I feel very... Uh, like, I don't have the knowledge that i should in my the things i'm interested in i.e avril Lavigne. a fake fan we call it in the industry what's that you're a fake fan i am a, a fake, fake fan. fan that's what i feel like um, i think it's actually a later avril Lavigne song like it's so it's not it's not within the sort of her peak so yeah. i wouldn't worry about it too much you you can just dismiss it as oh yeah i'm that's, vindicated yeah that's yeah that's when she became mainstream and we don't talk about that era um the video starts with her <laughs> saying the line my new Sony phone is ringing. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Which <laughs> I watched that and I was like, brilliant. <laughs> Good. And do you feel like, because um, you obviously just talked about, uh, you recently talked about that you're going to get a new phone. Has that influenced still uh, your choice at all of what oh, phone you're well, going to get? A, a music video yes. from 1995? <laughs> no, it's, no, it's, it, this is a lot more recent. Oh, of Avril course. Lavigne's yeah, because I was like, Avril Lavigne, yeah, Avril Lavigne's again, more of sort of 2000s. Uh, it's a it's a homage to the to this film her video um and yeah as soon as she said it i dropped everything including my laptop and phone and started buying a sony and you were you were like i'm gonna start from scratch the way avril lavigne told me i believe the line afterwards when she's on her sony phone is yeah how can i make it much clearer he was a skater boy i was like good yep good avril lavigne think she was uh think she was fulfilled in her career at that point uh, I think it was about the same time as the Hello Kitty song. I think mm. that's the sort of era you're talking. Okay, see, that is very much the era where I lose interest. That's what I said. That's what I said. You can dismiss it as she became mainstream at that point, so yeah. it's fine. It wasn't mainstream, though. She just... She was she dating started Nickelback at that time. She her music to a very niche audience. <laughs> she was dating um, Nickelback. I still always think that Avril Lavigne... Date, uh, Avril Lavigne being married to Chad Kroger of Nickelback is the most 2000s marriage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is very true. Um, Never made it as a wise man. We get copyright claimed. It's fine. Could it cut Nickelback it as already a poor made too much stealing. money. We uh we had Nickelback on in the in at my work recently. And um, it is funny when you listen to the, those songs now, how unbearably fucking cringy all of their songs are. <laughs> <laughs> it is so cringy. <clears throat> I love it. I, uh, I, I always think that Nickelback is. I, I used to have my Nickelback phase. Yeah, everybody um, did. But I don't. I don't. I don't begrudge Nickelback. I feel like they very much found a way to make a fuck ton of money. With a very particular it is, sound, it is accessible rock, I guess. Good on. I remember they was it like there was a halftime show they were supposed to play, and, uh, and they people just booed them off. Booed, yeah. Uh, and I was like, that's just not a necessary response to Nickelback because they're just they're just guys who are making money, aren't they? And they're they're doing something they love. And I always think they're like people forget that when you talk about stuff like Nickelback. Yeah, you don't have to be into them, but you know they're just. You know they're they're living life. They're living it their way. Remember when they did the song 
for the first spider-man movie yeah i was thinking about that recently that's just a a time gone by (laughs) because it's a weird song they picked because he he says he says something he's it's an anti-hero song like it's not as in it's about an anti-hero as in it's anti-superhero um they say that a hero is gonna save us i'm not gonna stand here and wait i'm like why did they put that to a spider-man film yeah that's such a because it's specifically written for the film which is very bizarre but it's like fuck your heroes i'm gonna yeah, do this I'm myself gonna wait for a hero yeah and you're like um strange strange place to have put it well you know spider-man you know he couldn't wait for the yeah, police like... to solve his uh, uncle's murder just did it himself and then it <laughs> and then in the canon of those movies it turns out he was wrong years later <laughs> it was sandman he was killed by sand <laughs> um so is that punk for you that's Av- avril lavigne yeah that that act, that's definitely but then it's through the hello kitty fa- i'm still gonna say it's punk you've got three punks on yeah. the punk list so far on the punk the punk chain well they well that was it that that was free punk facts that's to three verify punk three punks out of punk well done us and well, done, and well girl, done tank girl yeah for inspiring yeah. such a uh, punk related facts um i don't have much more to say except one thing which is almost strange why hasn't this film been rebooted like not as in the sense that it needs to be rebooted or remade but like you watch this and are you not just thinking this is perfect for the Harley Quinn and Deadpool. Yeah, market. I was gonna say it's got it's, so... it's got that um, hot topic aesthetic to it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, this is mental that there's no person out, no, there's no big movie producer going, fuck, Tank Girl would be perfect to make as a a Harley Quinn knockoff. Yeah, like, it'll... and it, it wouldn't even be that much of a stretch. It wouldn't feel like they're pandering. It would, it would genuinely like, um. It's genuinely be strange. I do. There is a rumor that, or the, or they found read something on Wikipedia that Margot Robbie's production company uh, is developing a reboot. I was going to say because um, I feel like if if they if Hollywood was to reboot it, like Margot Robbie is like a solid go to because of Harley Quinn almost. Yeah, but I would feel I feel like obviously they're going to do what they do they want like i'm surprised my my surprise is more that they haven't made it already it's not already made yeah it's not already a film because that market's been there for a while now people have been loving harley quinn and deadpool like in the movies for years now mm. um but i feel like margot robbie would be a terrible choice because it would just feel like harley quinn. oh yeah no that's uh, what it i mean just it, feel would, like it would be a harley terrible quinn. choice but it feels like the natural way that hmm. you know uh, like a sh- sh- studio would go you know what i mean um, yeah I, I would there's there must be an actor somewhere like a totally different actor that would be able to give something a bit fresher to that and not just give it to margot robbie and her just to make it harley quinn yeah just bring laura laura laurie petty back yeah that'd be fun probably I'd very unmarketable at this point like because well, i imagine a lot of your people that the film would be geared to would be like who <laughs> The girl from Free Willy. We yeah. Free Willy. <laughs> um, um, I would not be surprised if you see one soon, purely because it is, yeah. a, it is a brand. There is a market. You know, there's people out there who love that first movie. Hmm. Um, I'm just and like surprised said, if you said, if you make it a lot more, I would say remove the fucking kangaroo men. 
remove the overtly rapey vibe that basically goes through the whole movie um and you know make it a lot more kind of the same way that harley quinn is like a lot more teenage friendly i guess um Mm. then i think yeah you could probably make it work like it could probably i'd be excited to see a tank girl remake um i think like especially with like uh, giving it a bit a bit of a budget like so it could do the special effects it wants to do like it could have more of a tank but then that, i think that's my worry is that it would lead like i think that's one of the most charming things about tank girl is the aesthetic of it and how sort of hilariously cheap a lot of things look and yeah that but, that's the charm of that that film but i mean as a brand it could really work as yeah. like a, a a big production film yeah and you know we'll always have the the little 90s film that um, that, that could. hipsters can prefer <laughs> yeah um but yeah that's the only thing i'd add is, is it's kind of strange that we've not already had it hmm is yeah there definitely there must be some inspiration surely from tank girl in harley quinn in some capacity they feel too similar yeah like laura perry could have played harley quinn in the 90s i mean i know that's when that was around about the time the character was being invented but she could have easily played that same character and to be honest like she's a a a fun oppressor because i like margot robbie as harley quinn i think she's really good but that character can get really obnoxious really quickly oh yeah as where it's it's easier to watch tank girl for longer like laurie perry as tank yeah girl. like it's a lot easier I, mostly it, that comes mostly down to the fact that margot robbie has to put on that weird accent yeah it's kind of quite synonymous with the character nails on a um, chalkboard which yeah it's just it's hard to listen to for a whole film uh, and obviously that's not their fault that's just what one of the aspects of the character that's hard to get rid of um but like that's yeah that's why it's a lot e- a lot easier to watch laura perry do all of, go through all of that sort of harley quinn-esque stuff in this film yeah um well i'm sure we'll see it one day i'd bet my bottom dollar on it um, i'll bet my top dollar but if uh oh, well fucking you just always show me up don't you <laughs> You really are the John or Yoko of this dynamic. Look, it's clear that I'm the top and you're the bottom, all right? So there's no fight in it, all right? Especially now we're in bed together. Like, I'm the top, <laughs> you're the bottom. I just feel like you're... Because you're sat at, like, a desk and you've got, like, a nice professional setup and I'm literally just, like, lounged back on my bed. Um, The computer has nearly fallen over several times because it's just balancing <laughs> on, like, a little plastic tray thing on the bed. Um, It's not a great setup, but... It's what we're working with right now, so fuck it. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much all I've got to say on Tank Girl. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I'm glad I finally have seen it. I can't imagine I would revisit it anytime soon. I don't think it had the. I don't think I've got the. A. F- what is the word I'm looking for? Affliction. Rewatchability. Affection. I see. I don't know if I have this affection for it that I guess a lot of people who are mm. really into it do. I feel like, as I said at the beginning, I feel now it's a lot more of a missed opportunity than it like as a film, but as a, as an older person watching it than yeah. I was when I first saw it. It feels more of a missed opportunity and just a like 
that's a shame that they didn't get to make the film they wanted to make um, rather than it being the punk cult classic that I liked as a teenager. Yeah, I think it would mostly be interesting to watch again purely because I know what happens this time and so I wouldn't have that kind mm. of like and what what are we doing now? Like what's what's happening in this scene, you know? Like um I would I maybe be more engaged because I understand what is happening from scene to scene if I watch it a second time. So maybe I'll exactly. give that a go. Not anytime soon though. It was quite exhausting. <laughs> That's fair enough. Um but yeah, uh, with that, where can uh, if they were so inclined, where can people find us? You can find us at Facebook or Twitter. That's second, uh, second at second opinion. That's second with a two. Also, if you're looking for a Ooh. a new podcast to listen to uh, in I, this lockdown, I did not approve. We'll, this. We'll d- <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 not not endorsed by Second Opinion, but endorsed by Danny Jones is the new podcast by friends of ours, Jim Dougal and Liam, who I don't know, but sounds lovely and charming. Uh, Tuna Boot, uh, which the premise is. Uh, that they recommend each other free songs each week and they talk about them and they have a nice time and they get fucked. They get quite drunk. Uh, and it's a lot of fun and they're very funny people. And the, I, I got a shout out on the podcast. This podcast got a shout out there and I got a shout oh, out because nice I was nitpicking. Yeah, well, it was it started because I was nitpicking the premise because the premise of Tuna Boot is that every, it's from this idea of sitting with your friends, having a few drinks, and everybody takes it in turns to like play a tune. Right. Um, but they don't on the podcast. They do free songs. They they do free songs, then next person free songs, next person. I wasn't a serious nitpick, but... but I they called you out. They like, called out your bullshit. <laughs> I didn't say it. I wasn't like, hey, here's a thing. You're fucked up. One you star on iTunes. <laughs> You, you had one job and it was to do Tuna Boot. Uh, no, I said it to Jim. I was like, oh, it's a, a fucking lovely podcast. Really interesting. Got some cool song recommendations. The playlists are on Spotify, so they're easy to listen to. Why don't you do it, Tuna Boot? Why don't, why, why don't you do it like <laughs> no, that? That's a really great idea. Really good thing that you're doing. Really creative and uh, fun. Um, here's why uh, one major complaint, and it really has affected uh, all of my listening enjoyment. Uh, <laughs> it's this one little nitpick. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't get behind your title. But then saying that, we, we're a podcast with a title that's premise slipped from us um, oh, it slipped early from on. Us so quickly, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's good, Danny. It's good that you could recommend uh, a friend's podcast while simultaneously pointing out the main thing you dislike about it. So that's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't dislike it. So I mean, people it's go in prepared. horrible, horrible. Yeah. It's obviously a horrible podcast, and ours is much better, and you should listen to us. But also, if you happen to have listened to our whole back catalogue, and you've uh, you've bought all our merch that we're going to get soon, obviously. Then maybe you could listen to this podcast. Maybe if like you like, it. go on, go for it. Um, no, I will. I I am I am going to give it a listen, and I all of you out there should do that too. Um, but uh, with that, Daniel Boy, Daniel Son, Daniel Lennon, Daniel son. I bid thee a very fond farewell. <laughs> you too, Scott Ono. Nailed it. We'll see you next time, everyone. Eat your J.K. Simmons. Bye. Very well, bye.